1: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who have joined us every week. We started this journey in October 2018, and it's been almost five years of sharing scary stories with you. And we couldn't do it without all our amazing fans and listeners who shared their stories with us every week. And for this, we are extremely grateful. What an amazing community of horror creators and fans. We wake up in the morning with a long to-do list of things we have to get done just to survive. Everything from schoolwork to jobs to paying bills. Sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. And sometimes we have to make unimaginable decisions that have unimaginable consequences. You must be careful because the wrong choice can lead you down a path of death and destruction. And when we're left with the daunting task of selecting the lesser of two evils, we fervently hope to emerge from the hell unscathed. First, a never-ending seance, followed by beware the silence. Then, you'd be safer at home. Finally, in our featured story, Prom Night Horror. So, wanna hear something scary? Choose your own hell. They say the universe responds to our desires, granting us what we ask for. So be prepared for the consequences of whatever you may summon. Inspired by this true story from Annette. My parents were out of town for the weekend and they had made me stay at a friend Nova's house. Nova was great. But I always hated sleeping over at her place. It wasn't the comfortable, cozy environment of my own home. Instead, it was filled with strange trinkets and eerie decorations that gave me the creeps. We usually stayed up late into the night, watching scary movies, despite my pleading for sleep. I often longed for simple activities like playing Monopoly or cards— but Nova and her friends preferred indulging in crazy games like truth or dare. I was always the one dragged into their wild adventures. That night Nova's latest obsession was a seance. I didn't want to mess with the dead, but my opinion never seemed to matter at her house. She had watched countless videos and tutorials on how to perform a seance and her enthusiasm was undeterred. Reluctantly, I agreed to go along with it, knowing I didn't really have much choice. We set up a circle of candles in her dimly lit living room, whispering an incantation we'd found online. As we began the seance, the atmosphere grew increasingly eerie. Shadows danced on the walls, and a cold breeze swept through the room, causing goosebumps to rise on my arms. Nova was summoning the ghost of any spirit near us, which seemed especially reckless. Halfway through, I couldn't take it anymore and pleaded with Nova to stop. I felt stupid saying it was because I was scared. That would mean I believed in the stuff. And if I didn't, why would we need to stop? Thankfully, she relented, sensing my discomfort. With the seance abruptly ended, the rest of the night lost its momentum and we both felt the tension between us. We went to bed, but Nova was clearly annoyed with me. I lay in the darkness, my unease growing with every passing minute. Just as I started drifting into a restless sleep, I was jolted awake by the sound of an Alexa blaring from the corner of the room. At first, I thought Nova was pranking me. She had always been mischievous, and I half expected her to burst into laughter at any moment. But when I saw the confusion and fear on her face, I knew something was wrong. We exchanged worry glances, realizing that something sinister was happening. We weren't alone. Against every instinct telling me to stay buried under the covers, I mustered the courage to get up and approach the Alexa. As I reached out to turn it off, a chilling voice echoed through the speakers, stopping me in my tracks. DON'T TURN OFF THE RADIO It said, its tone laced with an otherworldly presence. Startled, I hesitated for a minute, my hand lingering over the power button. The voice came again, this time angrier and more menacing. DON'T TURN OFF THE RADIO Fear coursed through my veins. I just wanted the loud music to stop. I didn't want to anger anyone. The Nova pushed past me and grabbed the plug in an attempt to turn off the radio. Before she could rip it out of the wall, the voice erupted with fury, echoing through the room. Don't turn off the radio! It screamed, shaking the very foundation of our sanity. We recoiled in horror, our faces drained of color. As the air grew heavy, an icy grip latched onto my throat. "'thrusting me against the wall. "'Desperation overcame me, "'and with every muscle in my body "'I tried but failed to scream for help. "'When I was finally able to turn my head in her direction, "'I saw Nova lay motionless on the floor, knocked unconscious. "'In the midst of our terrifying ordeal, "'a sudden flicker of light illuminated the room. "'It was Nova's father, "'his face contorted with sleep and annoyance.' Oblivious to the evil forces at play, he demanded an immediate end to whatever twisted game he believed we were playing. He turned off the Alexa, then claimed a seat in the room, his cell the only source of illumination. With chilling determination, he remained awake until exhaustion took hold and finally, we all succumbed to sleep. Dawn broke, and when I woke to the scent of pancakes wafting through the air a perplexing question lingered within me. Had it all been a figment of my imagination? But as I turned my gaze towards Nova, her haunted expression mirrored my own, confirming the horrifying reality we both shared. We had summoned a spirit. Haunted by the malevolent presence that we summoned that night, I dared not return to Nova's house. Our friendship gradually dissolved never knowing what to say to each other, and not wanting to speak of what really happened. Even to this day, its sinister influence lurks in the shadows following me, an unshakable reminder of the horrors we encountered that night, and wondering if it will ever return. Have you ever had a friend that takes things too far? Has it ever led you to encounter the paranormal? If so... Tell us about your experience by emailing us at snarled.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
1: Most people would stay away from an abandoned house. The possible dangers inside being enough to keep them out. But sometimes it's when the noises stop that the real danger begins, as in this story written by Janine Pipe. Alex desperately tried to breathe as quietly as possible, which was proving extremely difficult considering how scared she was. She should have known better than to listen to Lia when she had a hot tip. Not only was there nothing worth stealing, but the so-called abandoned house was most definitely not empty. And that was a huge problem. At that point, Alex didn't even know where Laya was. Once she'd heard the banging around and footsteps, her buddy was gone. What was that saying? There's no honor among thieves? Alex knew Laya wouldn't stick around and check on her, so she felt no guilt booking it and hiding. Only thing was, she'd made that stupid mistake of hiding upstairs with no visible direct exit. And now as she begged her body to stop shaking, she listened out as best she could for any sound that wasn't her own thumping heartbeat. She jumped, but realized the sound was further away this time and seemed to be coming from the first floor. It might even be Lia, signaling for her to come down, that the coast was clear. She took a deep breath and very slowly and quietly slid out from behind the bedroom door and crept onto the landing. Why had she been so stupid as to go upstairs? Now she had to get back down the creaky wooden death trap without being heard. The power had been shut off in the house a long time ago, so there were no lights. She turned on her cell phone torch on the dimmest setting, gingerly placing each foot on each piece of rotten wood with extreme caution. All was going well until three quarters of the way down, When one step creaked so loudly in the silent house, it was like a gunshot being fired. Alex froze for a second, and then figured she'd already have given herself away. She raced down the remaining stairs, and in her haste missed her footing on the last one and went sprawling, twisting her ankle awkwardly as she fell, and sending herself flying. Now, she was in complete darkness again, and a lot of pain she knew she wouldn't be able to run but she could hobble over to the exit which although the darkness and fear had caused her to lose her bearings she was pretty sure she was just in the next room she pulled herself back up from the sticky floor and tested her ankle when she heard an elongated petrified scream of anguish and pain it was liya but it wasn't liya's sounds of turmoil that intensified alex's own terror it was the inhumane low growl that followed along with something that sounded like bone snapping and a wet tearing noise. Alex covered her mouth with both hands in an attempt to stop herself from replying in kind. She didn't want whatever the hell had found Lia to discover her too, keeping her back against the wall to guide her around the perimeter of the room. Alex tried to focus on escaping and not listening to the crunching and whimpering she would get help for Liam once she was safe and home free, convincing herself these sounds were not her friend being ripped apart in. Yes! There was the opening into the next room, and since the front door was still ajar, the house was in the middle of nowhere, so they hadn't needed to cover their tracks. There was just enough light seeping through from the full moon that she was able to hasten her exit. For just a moment, Alex hovered by the doorframe. As terrified as she was... There was something else bugging her she couldn't quite put her finger on. Then it dawned on her. The house was silent again, devoid of the soundtrack of butchery. It wasn't really a choice in the end. She knew Laya was dead. And she knew whatever had killed her hunted and fed in that abandoned house. She stumbled home as quickly as her busted ankle would let her, but didn't keep her promise... She didn't tell a soul about Laia. It was too late for her friend. But Alex couldn't let anyone else meet that fate. And she believed that was the lesser of two evils. Have you ever broken into an abandoned property? Did you experience anything supernatural? Would you have ran for help and left your friend behind? Sometimes, when faced with creepy or unsettling things, our instinct is to protect our own senses so we can carry on our duties. But that won't protect us from evil things happening to us. Like in this story inspired by Chris Plant. Grace looked over to the passenger seat of her car at her 10-year-old son, Charlie. She felt guilty that he had to go to work with her. But she couldn't leave him with his deadbeat dad and she had to work the night shift. She was saving up enough money to move closer to her family for a more solid support system. But there was something else on both of their minds as they drove to Kinswick Manor, the residential care home where Grace worked. She knew Charlie hated going there and found it creepy, but Grace didn't have any other option. As they parked, she asked Charlie if he was okay. Charlie nodded and continued to look at his phone, Grace gave his hand a squeeze, and they went inside. Charlie had good reason not to like Kinswick Manor. Not only was the home isolated from any nearing town, it was physically imposing, and he never felt like he was alone. He obviously knew residents lived there, but he felt a much deeper and darker presence and noticed every creak in the old manor. But still, Charlie didn't know which was worse— Spending his nights there or with his dad? Grace worked alone during the night shifts, often leaving Charlie in the huge living room on his own to watch TV while she tended to the 15 elderly residents. She didn't love leaving him, but it was better than doing the safety checks with her, where he may enter a residence room only to find they had passed away. That had happened to Grace too many times. And so the pattern was the same that particular night. Grace tucked Charlie up on the sofa and turned on the TV for him before she went to the kitchen to prep the resident's breakfast. As she walked through the long, wide corridors, she heard footsteps quickly scurrying across the landing upstairs. "'Charlie?' Grace called out. "'Are you okay?' There was no answer. He knew better than to mess around, so Grace headed back to the living room, only to find him still curled up, dozing on the sofa No way, she thought. It seemed Charlie hadn't heard anything, so she kept it to herself and went upstairs to investigate. No point in worrying him. Maybe she imagined it. Grace walked the hallway where the footsteps had come from, just in case one of the residents was sleepwalking. But as expected, it was empty without any sign of a disturbance. After checking, the other 14 residents were all sound asleep She checked in on the last room along the hall. A frail and elderly woman was sitting on a chair in the corner. Grace greeted Mrs. Aldridge and asked why she wasn't in bed. "'I doubt I'll sleep much tonight,' Mrs. Aldridge said without looking at Grace. When she inquired further, the old woman scoffed at her. "'You've worked here a couple of years now, haven't you? And yet, you know nothing about this house.' and its horrors. Grace assured her she knew the history. Before it was a residential home, it was a boarding school. She knew all about the folklore of the ghost of children, and she told Mrs. Aldridge it was all just silly nonsense. With bloodshot eyes and conviction in her tone, Mrs. Aldridge replied, Then you haven't listened hard enough. If you did, you'd have heard their screams. Just then, they heard the piano from the living room playing a tune. Charlie, Grace thought as she ran down the stairs to tell him to stop, or he would wake the sleeping residents. Strange, he'd never done it before. When she entered the room, Charlie was sitting frozen in place on the couch, staring at the piano, which was still playing music, but no one stood near it. It was playing of its own accord. Charlie shakily told his mom he'd heard footsteps running past him and through the door to the garden. Grace held Charlie in a tight embrace, trying to figure out what to do. Although it seemed impossible, she could see he was terrified and believed he was telling the truth. As she looked out into the garden, she saw what looked like a young boy peering back into the house around a tree, only to duck away when he thought Grace had seen him. She was going to call her manager, tell him that due to an emergency, she needed to leave and that they would have to send cover. She ran to the kitchen where she had left her cell, only to find it was gone. She knew for a fact she had left it there, but the phone charger she had been using was still there. She asked Charlie if he had moved it, already knowing the answer. He hadn't. She had to check on the residence. She grabbed Charlie's hand and led him out of the kitchen through the hallway when they once again heard footsteps scurrying across the landing upstairs. Mom, I'm scared. Charlie whimpered. Grace rushed towards the stairs still holding Charlie when they heard footsteps again on the landing. This time, it sounded like there were several people up there. Charlie pushed away from her, not wanting to go upstairs. No, Mom. Grace felt trapped, not knowing whether to take Charlie with her into potential danger or leave him alone. She told him to wait on the stairs and he was not to move. Feeling guilty and scared about leaving Charlie, Grace ran upstairs as fast as she could. Before she reached the top, she heard a bedroom door shut and more footsteps that quickly faded. Grace checked the residents quickly, opening and closing their bedroom doors as quietly as possible so not to wake them. All the residents Grace had checked on seemed fine so far. And then she reached Mrs. Aldred's room. She opened the door and found the old lady in her chair looking out to the garden. She was very still. Mrs. Aldridge. Grace called out in a hushed but panicked tone. There was no reply. Grace called out once again. No answer. Inching closer, she put her hand on Mrs. Aldridge's shoulder and noticed how stiff she was. She was dead. Grace held back tears when she heard the piano begin to play. She ran toward the stairs, But when she looked down, Charlie was gone. She raced down, her eyes scanning the room, but there was no sign of him. She finally saw him as she looked out the window into the gardens. She shouted for him to come back as the gate closed behind him. Grace rushed outside as Charlie walked deeper into the gardens, seemingly escorted by a group of young children. Charlie wasn't resisting, nor was he responding to Grace's screams No! Don't you touch him! Don't you touch my son! I'll kill you! I'll kill you! Grace was screaming to no avail. The boy she saw earlier was next to Charlie and he turned to wave, then walked into the darkness of the garden. By sunup, with a team of police, they had searched the grounds. But Charlie and the other children were gone, disappeared without a trace, never to be seen again. How scared do you have to be before you tell your parent or guardian you're seeing ghosts or other things? How do you know if a paranormal spirit has good intentions or evil ones? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of horror on prom night. Written by Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Janine Pipe, and animated as a very special Choose Your Own Adventure episode. Now over on YouTube.com/snarled.
2: You're running down the dimly lit hallway. Your heart pounding in your chest. Sweat drips down your forehead, and your feet ache with each step. Why did you choose these new shoes tonight? You should have known better than to wear them without breaking them in. But now is not the time to dwell on your footwear choices. As you burst through the double doors, you come to a sudden halt, catching your breath. Standing in front of you are your best friends, dressed in their elegant gowns and sharp tucks for prom. They greet you with smiles and mention that they almost left without you. You brush off the comment, grateful that you made it in time. The night is amazing. The music, the laughter, the dancing, everything seems perfect. You can't wait to continue the festivities by heading out to the pizza place with your friends. But as you mentioned your excitement about the plan, their expressions turn serious. The plans have changed, one friend says. Confusion fills your mind. What could have possibly changed? Before you can ask your best friends, step aside. And there he is, Graham Hawthorne. Your heart drops and you start to sweat all over again. You try to control your breathing so that no one suspects anything is wrong. You can't bring yourself to make eye contact with him. Graham has always had a mysterious aura around him. His dark, piercing eyes seem to see right through you. And his perfectly styled hair contrasts with his unnerving presence. You can't understand why everyone else seems so infatuated with him and why he's obsessed with your best friend. He gives you the creeps. You remember that one time when you got to class early, you overheard him having a conversation with someone, but when you entered, no one else was there. It sent chills down your spine, adding another reason to be wary of him. Your mind races as your friends announce that they're going with Graham, and then panic sets in, and you open your mouth to protest, but the side-eye glance from your friends silences you. You feel trapped and torn between your weariness of Graham and your loyalty to your friends. You don't want to be left behind. Graham suggests something much more adventurous than pizza. He wants to go to an abandoned cabin deep in the woods. You think, and this is how I die? Your paranoia intensifies. You're scared, but you can't let your friends go alone. You walk towards your car. However, Graham insists on driving, claiming that he knows how to get to the spot and has room for everyone. He adds that a GPS won't work in the area that everyone is going. So reluctantly, you agree as you slide into the back seat behind Graham. You figure if you need to, you can try to hit him from behind and run. A sinking feeling washes over you as the engine roars to life. The road ahead stretches into darkness, matching the knots in your stomach. You steal a glance at Graham in the rearview mirror. He stares straight ahead, his unblinking eyes fixed on the road. He never blinks like a psychopath. His eyes catch yours in the mirror. He knew you were staring and he saw you. You fumble with your seatbelt as he adjusts the mirror so you can't see him. After endless twists and turns down dark roads, the car finally stops. You all get out and your friends head towards the old cabin. Laughing and having fun while you try to catch your breath. A cold hand grabs your arm with a tight grip. It's Graham. He pulls you in close. No one can hear you through the trees. His breath sends shivers down your spine as he whispers. You thought you could avoid me, but you can't. Terror consumes you as Graham's grip tightens, his nails digging into your flesh. You struggle against his vice-like hold, desperately trying to free yourself. But his strength is overpowering. Panic rises within you as you realize the death of the danger you're in stay calm think think you take a breath and smile at him you relax your body you say we're cool graham everything's good here as you peel his hand off your arm you inhale and kick him as hard as you can in the shin then you run you scream hoping desperately that your friends will hear you and come to your rescue but your cries are swallowed by the darkness that surrounds you the only response is the haunting echo of your own voice Bouncing off the trees, mocking your torment, you stop and turn around, realizing you don't even know if you're running in the right direction. Suddenly, you're on the ground. The wind has been knocked out of you. Graham has his foot on your chest, and he pushes down, making it hard to breathe. You feel a surge of pain coursing through your body. With a sadistic smile and surprising strength, Graham pulls you up, pinging you against a tree. He leans close. His face inches away from yours. His eyes, devoid of any humanity, pierce into your soul. You were always so cautious, so suspicious of me, he hisses. But you couldn't escape fate. Summoning your will to survive, you manage to let out one last scream. Fear cripples you as you realize this could be the end and that your suspicions were valid. Graham really is some sort of predator. You close your eyes, all fight disappearing as you prepare for it all to end when you hear a loud rustling coming from the trees followed by the voice of your best friend. Hey, what's going on? You dare to open your eyes and see the rest of your friends looking puzzled. Help, you manage to call out and they rush over. But Graham doesn't release his grip, trying to look casual, but it's too late. The others have seen his true colors Your best friend suddenly appears and smacks Graham over the head with a shovel. Hard. He cries out in pain, finally letting you go. He stumbles and falls to the ground. Before you can stop yourself, you reach into his jacket pocket and grab the car keys. Then you and your friends quickly rush over to his car and drive away, leaving him on the floor, semi-conscious. Graham deserves to rot in those woods, but although you escaped, you're always looking over your shoulder, wondering if he'll return for revenge.
1: Do you want to hear the other ways this story could have ended? Head over to youtube.com slash snarled after 11 a.m pacific standard time and watch the choose your own adventure version of this episode. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gil Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends. Sweet screams. <laughs>